This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. On Money Talks, we discuss money news and take your questions about personal finance. For 15 years, we've provided free financial information for Mississippians. I hope you can join me, Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, co-host of Money Talks, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. or anytime on our podcast. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about you and your rights. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. Well, today is Election Day, but that's not our topic today. (laughs) But I did want everyone to know that uh, you can call the Secretary of State's Election Hotline phone number if you have any trouble. And that election phone number is 1-800-829-6786. And I'll give that again out at the very end of the show. Hello, Professor Gershon. I tried to vote today, but there were too many people in line and I didn't want to be late to work. So I'm going to go back to my school at lunch. And I'll be voting later, Liz. Good morning. I um, had an eight o'clock class this morning, so I had to uh, not go it right at seven. But I'll definitely be voting today. And I, you know, everyone who has the right to vote should vote because that's how we express, uh, you know, our wishes in terms of who we want to make the laws that we abide by. And but today we're going to talk about, uh, it, you know, the fact that this is the beginning of gift giving season uh, for a lot of people, and I'm excited that we'll be talking about the hows, what's. And why is it giving as part of an estate plan is, you know, why you would do it. Um, We're always happy to welcome our good friend and and frequent expert, Rick Courtney, back to the show. And Rick, good morning. Uh, Thank you for joining us, as always. Um, How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. And I did go vote uh, before the show here and I got there and I, I, as I was leaving, I took a picture of the, where the uh, voting booths were and then where the um, ballot, uh, desks were and and just so I could show them to my daughter who's a wheelchair user so she could see the setup and as I was walking out a lady approached me and said I'm sorry sir I don't think you can take pictures here and I said well I was just taking a picture so I can show my daughter the setup so she'll know how to come vote later today she said oh okay well that's fine so you know uh, and she'll have to have a little help bubbling in some of those little bubbles too because her dexterity is a an issue with her disability. So I think uh, my wife and she will navigate that process well today as they go vote. But yes, we do need to get out and vote today. And that, well, it's a good point, you know, that probably uh, voting areas should have accommodations too, though, uh, to help people who are yeah. disabled, who don't have someone to, to go with them. But um, so that's a really good point. And I do hope everyone uh, has the opportunity to, to vote today. In the past, when, when she has gone one, one other time, when she's gone to a church that was not accessible for her, they shut the entire polling site down. One of the poll workers brought out a board with the ballot on it to the car, and she voted her ballot in the car And then while they observed, and then they took it back in for her and reopened the po- polling site. Well, that that's great to know. I'm glad they did that. And uh they should do that. They should should uh, think about uh, you know how to accommodate people who, who don't have 
is as easy as some other people in terms of voting. Um, but today we're talking about giving. Um, always a good thing. Uh, and, you know, you do a lot of uh, working with people to give their property at their death. You know, we talk about estate planning that way. But what about lifetime giving? What about these gifts that people make um, that may be more meaningful while they're alive? So what is a gift under the law? Well, it's when someone owns something and transfer it to someone else where they don't own it anymore. I guess that's my simple explanation of a gift. Um, that is a gift if nothing in return is received, that would be a purchase or a sale, but uh, a gift, and I'm not looking at the code, Internal Revenue Code, didn't want to get that technical with it, but uh, that would describe it more, um, you know, what a gift is. But it's basically where I'm, I'm giving ownership of something up to someone else without compensation in return. Well, and, you know, uh, I'm sorry, but I am a, I am a tax person, so I have to do this. Please. Our gift, an income tax gift, <laughs> is one that is given with disinterested generosity. So if I'm expecting something in return, like if I give you something and expect you to send me some business, that's not a gift. But I, if I just really give it to you because tomorrow is your birthday and you know, I'm wishing you happy birthday, and it is your birthday tomorrow, happy birthday, Rick. Thank you. Um, Thank you. So if I gave you a gift, that would be, if I gave you something for that birthday, that would be a gift. Um, from an estate and gift tax point of view, it's when I give something uh, that, and don't get adequate consideration of money or money's worth in return. And that's way technical. So there are different definitions depending on what, what the purpose is. But do I have to, if somebody gives me a, a gift, uh, a real gift, so if I gave you that birthday present uh, tomorrow, um, would you have to pay gift tax on Would you have to pay income tax on that? Excuse me. Well, no, a gift is not income to the recipient. Now, I used a common term there, recipient. We lawyers often call it the donee. A donation of a gift to, is done by the donor, the giver, to the donee, the recipient. So I, I like to use giver and recipient when people, so people will understand what we're talking about. But um, a gift is not income to the recipient under our law. So if my mother writes me a check for $50,000, which I wish she would, but she not um, for my birthday. Um, if she gives me $50,000, that is not taxable income to me when I received it for this year. So that's a surprise to a lot of our estate planning clients. You know, we do get questions a lot from clients who are talking about how to dispose of their estate. Can I give my can I give this farm property I inherited from my parents, Mr. Courtney, to my children? I don't go there much anymore, but they like it. So can I give it to them? And and I will tell those clients, yes, if you own it and you have capacity to know what you're doing and it's not illegal, you know, to set up a meth lab there or something. But if you know if you know what you're doing, you can give anything you want away. Let's talk about the effects of that for them. And we'll talk some more about the effects on the of giving property to children and capital gains and that sort of thing later. But yes, you can give something away and it's not going to cause them an income tax headache this year. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking I'd hurt my kids, you know, on taxes if I gave them some property or some money. No, you won't hurt them on taxes this year. It could come back to bite them later, <laughs> depending on your basis and the property and those things we'll talk about. Yeah, let's let's explore gifts a little bit more and talk about. Okay, so 
in the income tax side of this, uh, Oprah Winfrey uh, gave away cars on her show, and the recipients were surprised that they had to pay tax on the, the value of those cars. So why weren't those things considered gifts? Well, I mean, the Internal Revenue Code says everything that that you get is income unless there's an exception for it, basically. And this is one of the exceptions. Um, uh, certain things are not, certain prizes and awards are not considered income to the recipient. But that's very limited. Uh, the Code Section 74, Internal Revenue Code, says that prizes and awards are considered part of your gross income unless they are a an award to a recipient from a charity that, that is designated by that recipient to certain charities. Now, I have gotten an honorarium before uh, for some legal work in the special needs world, the Teresa Award out of New York. And so they said, we're going to make an award of this amount of money to Rick Courtney for his work in special needs law. I didn't keep that money. I got to designate it to a charity of my choice that did the type things they did. So I did that. It was not income to me because of Section 74. So that that was it. And also certain employment um, achievement awards are not considered part of gross income under that Section 74. But, you know, Oprah's cars and stuff that she gives away don't meet those exceptions. And I think what confuses people is she gave those those, uh, cars to them, but they were considered, you know, uh, prizes and awards, as you mentioned, um, that are taxable. That's why the IRS watches uh, game shows to make sure that people who win uh, money and prizes on game shows report those. And, uh, you know, I always think I'd much rather win cash in that case because you can pay the taxes with cash. If you get a car and you don't have the the cash, you're going to have to sell the car. Yeah. To pay the taxes. Yeah, we uh, had so a good. we had a family member on Jeopardy, and don't you believe we had to pay taxes before they even let us out the building to pay the California taxes, and then uh, cautioned us that the federal taxes would be due soon, also. And houses, you know, the St. Jude's Dream Home thing. Those houses, when you win a raffle and win a free house, I mean, there are taxes to be paid on that. Well, this is the show we need to listen to, Abram. Maybe we're going to win that dream house next year or uh, uh, win, win prizes. We need to learn about our, our gifts, when, when things are gifts and when we have to stock up on the taxes. Yeah, I'm, I'm counting on it. <laughs> this is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Now, not everybody has a chance to listen to our whole show live. So if you have missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole thing from our website this afternoon, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. We're broadcasting this on Election Day in Mississippi. Now, don't worry if your ID is expired when you go to the polls. According to the Secretary of State's website, You may use an expired photo ID as long as it is an acceptable form of photo ID and is not more than 10 years old. 
the expired ID must contain the name and photograph of the voter and have been validly issued by the federal or state government. Hey, you can also use the digital ID provided by the Mississippi Department of Public Safety, which we had as a guest on uh, a few months ago, I think they've gotten their bugs fixed on that uh, voter ID app or that uh, mobile ID app because I was able to finally, finally pull that up myself. But today, today we're talking about gifts and estate planning with our guest attorney, Richard Courtney. Yeah, and it's always great to have Rick on the show, Rose, uh, and, uh, and we do appreciate all the time he gives us. I, I hope people know that I mean, he's volunteering time that he could be charging clients for, and he's uh, you know here to answer questions that people might have. And, you know, um, Rick, we talked about gifts from an income tax point of view, but there's also something called the gift tax. Um, and do I have to worry about that? And how much would I have to give before I even have to worry about the gift tax? Yeah, the gift tax is one of three types of taxes. We do a little conversation with clients in our office about. I say there are three kinds of taxes. There's income tax, and you understand what that is because you pay it on whatever rental income and working income. There's the gift tax, and then there's the estate tax. The gift tax um, is there, and it is never paid by the recipient. Uh, that's a pleasant surprise to some people, oh, well, my kids won't pay a gift tax if I give them money, right, or give them property. I said, that's correct. Gift tax is not paid by the recipient. It's paid by the giver. Will the giver owe any tax? Well, I asked the client, is your estate, the total value of all the assets you own, plus your life insurance money, is all that less than $12.9 million? That's the estate tax exemption right now. And there's a lifetime gift tax exemption equal to the estate tax exemption. So if they say, oh, no, I have way less than $12 million, then you could give everything you own to that child and you would have the lifetime exemption over all that and you would not have to pay any gift tax on that. Now, uh, there are some nuances to the gift tax. They say, well, what about this 15000 or 17000 that I've heard about? You know, I can't give more than that per year, right? I said, no, you can give any amount. If you give more than 17000 this year, that's this year's number, if you give more than $17,000 to someone, you're supposed to report that to the IRS. They want to check on where large sums of money are going in the economy. So you're supposed to file a Form 709 gift tax return next April. If you don't owe any gift tax because your estate's low enough, you won't send any money in with it. You'll just file the return saying, here's the people I gave over 17000 to during 2023. So there is that uh, gift tax return obligation. Uh, as you and I were discussing, I, the, the penalty for not filing a gift tax return, and I never encourage clients not to file a return that the IRS wants. But I tell them uh, that if you don't file the gift tax return, the penalty for not filing is a percentage of the tax due. And if they don't owe any tax, I'm an English major and I can do that math. A percentage of zero is zero. There's no penalty to pay if I don't file a return. So they don't have to sweat waking up two years later. Oh, my gosh, I forgot to file that 709. You know, I don't think the IRS is coming after them. But, um, 
That's the gift tax. It's paid by the giver if the giver's estate is large enough to cause a gift tax. But uh, if not, then there's no gift tax paid and the recipient does not pay gift tax. And, you know, Rick, one thing we talked about the fact uh, in the break that one reason why somebody might want to file a 709 form, even if they don't owe the taxes, if they've got a valuation that, you know, that they've created for maybe intangible property, maybe they got a patent or a copyright they're giving their child and they think it's worth, you know, a certain amount, but uh, it may be worth more, it may be worth less. When they report that amount uh, on the 709, that starts the statute of limitations running. So you, that way you're not going to be challenged, uh, you know, 20 years down the road that your valuation is wrong. If you don't file that 709, then that valuation could still be an issue. So that would be, but if you're given a gift, ca- gift of cash, you, you're right. You don't have to, don't have to sweat it. So what's a statute of limitation for those who didn't go to law school? Well, that's uh, that's a great question, but the IRS has a certain period of time that they're allowed to look at that return and uh, and, and uh, make a, 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 a send you a letter saying that we uh, dispute what you did uh, and uh, you know uh, we, challenge. We think it was worth more or less than you quoted. Exactly, exactly. And when that statute of limitations runs, they're for even if they're they would have been right if they had challenged you. They are foreclosed as long as you didn't commit fraud. Uh, there's no statute of limitations if you commit fraud because you know we could. If I completely lie about what what's on you know, what I what my income is, uh, then there's really no way for them to even know what to challenge in that respect. Hey, so we got that, we go got an we got an uh, email question. We're talking today about gifts or estate planning with our guest, uh, Rick Courtney. And we got an email saying, how do I give my car to my sister when I die without probate? And I guess that there's a lot to unpack. But uh, uh, Rick, would you take a shot at that for us? Sure will. One way is to retitle the car in both your and your sister's names as joint owners. That way, where it says uh, Mary Smith or Sarah Smith on the title. Then if Mary Smith, if that was your name, if you pass away, it still belongs to Sarah Smith. It's still titled in her name and she can um, still have the car. She owns it then. What I often tell clients to do is if you own a car and you don't owe money on it still, you've got the original title certificate You can sign the back of the title certificate. I could sign my name on the back of my car title, but not date it, not do anything else. Just sign it like I'm going to sell it to someone, but not put any other information. Then I tell that person that I want to have it. If I get critically ill or if I'm about to pass away or something, go get the title certificate, take it to the title office and put your name on there as the buyer and your and the information and the date and then get it retitled. So you're just kind of preparing the title certificate where it could be negotiated to a different owner. Those are kind of the only ways unless you put the car in the name of a trust and then the trust would say at my death, the trustee is to convey title to this other person. We often don't suggest putting vehicles in the name of a trust because sometimes title insurance, I mean, uh, automobile insurance companies aren't comfortable with a trust owning the vehicle. They want to insure people. 
an owner, an operator, you know, so they might have a question about that. But that's that's my best uh, recommendation. If you put another person on the title jointly with you, they would have to sign off on selling it. So keep that in mind. Plus, if there's an accident, the injured parties are going to sue the owner of the vehicles involved. So you've just exposed that other owner to some liability if you're in an accident. Thank you very much. We have a call now. Let's go to Benny. She has called in from Kosciuszko. Benny, thanks for calling in Legal Terms today. We're talking about estate planning and gifts with our guest, Rick Courtney. What's your comment or question? Hi, I just had a question regarding the uh, 17000 uh, gifts that I may give to a child, well, an adult child. Um, if you uh, distribute it throughout the whole year, does that count as, you know, it's not a lump sum, 17000 Yes, uh, that, uh, good, thank you for the question. Uh, yes, it is what amount has been distributed or given to that individual during the calendar year. That's what would go on the 709. So if I give 5000 the first quarter of the year and another five second quarter and another 5000 the third quarter of the year, and then another 5000 in the last quarter of the year, I've given 20000 during the calendar year. So I, that would exceed the 17000 Does the 17000 include maybe paying um, debt? That cash didn't necessarily go to the, the person, but it went through to something that the person owed. Well, if you and I'll, I'll ask for Professor Gershon's uh, input on this, too. If I pay someone else's debt, is that a gift? I think it is. The IRS, I think, will tend to say if, if I have a debt that's been forgiven or paid by someone else, that may be income to me. It could be. But I think if it's a family member paying for a family member's uh, debt like that, it would be more likely to be a gift under Section 102 that is excluded from income. Uh, but that would count towards that 17,000 if it is in fact a gift. Um, and, uh, but what's not, by the way, you, uh, what did not count it. And I think this is a big exception is payment for tuition by either a parent or a grandparent or anyone. You can pay someone's tuition uh, for school, uh, uh, and including any mandatory fees, and that's not considered a gift under the gift tax provisions. And also medical expenses for someone are not considered a gift. So there, you know, in addition to the 17000 there's some, a lot of money that a, a parent or a grandparent can pay for a child or a grandchild uh, that will not be uh, considered a gift. Okay, that helps. Thanks, Benny. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Thank you. before we move on, I've been doing this show for a little bit. So isn't it also uh, if a couple gives money to a child, then each of the adults get they do they they each have that 17,000? Yes, they can uh, combine gifts. A married couple can combine and give $34,000, 17,000 each to um, any all their grandchildren. I could my wife and I could give thirty four thousand or less to all of our grandchildren and that would be less than the um, reporting requirements. So we wouldn't have to file the seven oh nine 
uh, we've given less than 17,000 each uh, to those people during the year. So yes, couples can combine those gifts to give double the gift uh, amount. All right. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. We do hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. Our team member, Abram Nanny, fixes that up for us. You can find MPB Think Radio recordings also on the website for the station, mpbonline.org slash radio. So when you go to vote and uh rick courtney knows this he mentioned this a little bit earlier voters who require assistance in marking the ballot because of a disability blindness or an inability to read or write are entitled to receive assistance from a person of the voter's choice now, there's a little bit more about if the voter, if the person of your choice is a candidate or a family candidate or blah, 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 blah. But uh, if you're not uh, if you're not related to Tate Reeves or Brandon Presley or someone, uh, there should be no problem with you receiving assistance from a person of the voter's choice to make your vote, which I hope everyone will go do today. But today on In Legal Terms, we're talking about gifts and estate planning with our guest, uh, Rick Courtney, and um, on, in Le- on Money Talks, which is the show heard on MPB Think Radio just before this, they always talk about uh, if someone were to give them a Christmas present, they would like a share of uh, uh, the from Warren Buffett's. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway, Hathaway, uh, because uh, uh, anything associated with Warren Buffett is is a gift. So you had uh, Professor Gershon, you had something to mention about Warren Buffett. Well, Warren Buffett gives he's known not to be a very generous person in terms of like giving away stuff. And uh, he gives ten thousand dollars to some select people per year. Um, and, and Rick and I were talking about the fact that that used to be the exclusion amount, uh, the annual gift amount. Uh, now it's seventeen thousand. So I wonder if he's still stuck on that ten thousand for uh, his giving. He could give more and some candy and things like that. So uh, Warren Buffett, uh, one way he's gotten wealthy is he doesn't give a lot away. But Rick, we're going to talk about why people do give away, uh, you know, uh, gifts. And so why you know people give gifts for lots of reasons, but. Why might they want to give away assets as part of their estate plan? One reason that people may want to consider giving something away is to see the the recipient of that gift enjoy it. So if there is something that my grandson has said, I had a, a client one time who said, you know, Mr. Courtney, I'm going to have to leave my antique canoe to my grandson in my will, because if I don't, he'll dig me up and he'll kill me again for it. I mean, he just hits that important to him. He said, so I'm thinking about giving it to him now so he can enjoy it. That'd be a great reason to give something. So you can see people enjoy the money that you can help them with, the the personal property or land or real property that they might be able to use to build a house or something. So that's that's one reason. We often are counseling with older clients or their adult children who say, mom may need nursing home care. Her health is beginning to fail, and we're looking at Medicaid planning. How does she get eligible for Medicaid? I tell them, well, mom's got to have less than $4,000 of countable assets. 
countable assets is money and bank accounts and investment accounts and uh, land that's not part of your home. And so they said, well, she can just give that to us, right? Well, she can. Yes, she could give it to you. But the effect of that gift for Medicaid is if she files for Medicaid within five years after the month she makes that gift, they're going to look at it and they're going to delay payments to her nursing home based on the amount of the value she gave away within five years. So giving assets away is not a Medicaid planning strategy where someone may need Medicaid assistance in the next five years. I just tell them that they've heard different things out there and on the internet and, you know, that sort of thing. So I said, no, no, giving assets away is not, let's look at some other strategies that may work. Um, Getting um, your estate down below the estate tax exemption. Now, you may know the exact number. I don't off the top of my head. The current $12.9 million, that I, $12.92 million is what I could earn, own this year and die, and the government gets none of it. It all goes to my estate or my family members because that's the estate tax limit or exemption. But that goes up again a little next year. I think. And then in 2026, it goes back to about five to six million. I don't know the exact number or if and if, if they have an exact number yet. So people that we're w- working with, business owners or someone who's acquired a good bit of assets, I could tell them, well, right now you don't have to give anything away or make any gifts to get your estate below million, or if it's a couple, double that, you know, it's $25.8 million. You don't have to give anything away to get below that. But if you don't die this year and you don't die next year and you don't die the year after that, then it drops back to under 6 million. You do have a taxable estate now that would, if you died in that year, there would be some estate tax. So you have to look ahead maybe and say, do you want to make gifts now? And go ahead and have those on the record uh, so that they're, you're, that's not part of your estate when you pass away later and the estate tax exemption may be much lower. And Rick, would that, you know, I think one of the things that people should think about that is sometimes we think about, the, you know, the annual gift as being cash and that's great. But, you know, if they're worried about the estate tax, then maybe giving away some stock that might, just with that Berkshire Hathaway stock that may go up in value if they have it or, um, more like me, my one share of Coca-Cola stock, um, you know, to get that away because that will hopefully go up in value and you're getting, you're, you're giving that gift today, but it's going to be worth a lot more, you know, when I die and that won't be part of my estate. So it's, there are a lot of strategies and reasons why you need to see somebody like Rick uh, to do your, your planning. Yeah. There are lots of reasons people wonder about making gifts or giving assets away. And I tell those clients, Do not give something away if you think you may need it for your own care or your own purposes, because once you give it away, you don't control it. You might think your children are going to do what you tell them, but they can go off the rails. I mean, things can happen. So if you need something, keep it and be sure you have it to use for your own needs. But if you're ready to give something away and you don't need it, you won't need it, then we'll talk about the best ways to do that. Because again, there's some capital gains issues that we'll hopefully get to here shortly. Yeah, there was a, a sad story of a, a, a 
some parents who gave their child at their house trying to get, you know, get, the, get any appreciation of the house out of their estate. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but they wanted to still live there, uh, after they gave him the house and, uh, he evicted them. Mm-hmm. And the court upheld it because they said he owns the house. <laughs> now, what about, uh, yeah, you want to talk about, let's, let's talk about, uh, reasons not to make gifts. Uh, what would be some reasons why a person would not want to make gifts? I mentioned the Medicaid look back period of five years. So if I give away assets and then I need to go in a nursing home, get on Medicaid benefits within five years from now, that could delay or prevent my eligibility uh, for five years. Um, other issues, I, I, if someone says, I want to give some stuff to my kids, can I give some assets to my children? Yes. Tell me about your children. Do they have internal issues like substance abuse problems, gambling addictions, just bad money management? Or do they have external issues like a divorce, a bankruptcy? They have unpaid debts that they couldn't pay, and they've got creditors coming after them trying to get garnish their money. Um, you know, the, all of those are reasons why I might not want to give assets to someone if those gifted funds or property could be taken from them or could be wasted by them and not be effectively used. So, uh, those, and also spouses, you know, in-laws, a greedy spouse. I've, I've told clients before, if you give your daughter some money right now and her husband wants a boat, that gift could end up floating out on the reservoir here. So, you know, Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. Our host is Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I'm Liz Gill. At 11 a.m. Central on Tuesdays, following our over-the-air broadcast, you can hear Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. So today is November 7th, 2023. It's Election Day. And when you go to vote, voters whose names do not appear on the poll book or who don't have an acceptable form of photo ID are entitled to vote by an affidavit ballot. Voters who cast an affidavit ballot are entitled to receive written information at the time of voting on how to determine if the vote was counted and if not, why not. So take your ID, even if it's expired, but not more than 10 years. If you forget your ID or for some reason you're not in the poll book, you can cast an affidavit ballot. We just hope everyone will, you know, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem and every vote counts, blah, 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 all of that. Uh, We hope everyone will take their chance to go out to vote. Today on In Legal Terms, we're talking about gifts and estate planning with our guest, attorney Rick Courtney. We have one last phone call we're going to get to. It's Dan from Newton. Dan, we're so glad you've called in today. What's your comment or question? Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I missed that uh, that comment that the professor said about how the the tax uh, uh, limit goes from twelve point nine million to six million at at a uh, another in in the coming years. So I missed that date, and I did have a follow up question. 
Yes, Dan, I, this is Rick. I don't know the date right off. Uh, because those things were not uh, by joint action of Congress, agreed by all, all of Congress, the uh, increase in the estate tax exemption had to be done by budget resolution, and those only last for 10 years. So uh, it was done back uh, 2016, I think, and 2017 in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And so that will expire in 2026. And so that's when it drops back to what it would have been had they not done that 10-year bill. So that's why it's going to drop back down unless Congress comes back in and agrees to something different before then. And they've done that before. They can increase and, and say, well, we don't want it to go back down to five or six million, whatever the number is going to be. We want it to be 10 million or something else. So Congress can come back in and fix that before that uh, expires and sunsets back to that other amount. I see. Very good. I did have a little backup question on that. So instead of, let's say, instead of uh, giving kids, uh, my kids, uh, uh, money or even uh, stocks or could I could I let's say build a building, uh, whether a business or whatnot, use my resources, my funds to actually build the building, and then place them as owners. Give them would, would that be considered as a gift or or how would they how would the uh, the government uh, assess that? You were you were sounding a little bit guarded there in coming up with the terms of place them as owners. I was thinking you were about to say then uh, give them the building. That's what that would mean to me. And I think yeah. to the IRS, if you if you title that property to them, that is the gift transaction there. So I think that would still be a gift. If you built a building, it's got a value. It could be valued. And then that's what you would be giving them at the time if you give them ownership. Mm-hmm. And that would be that would be liable for tax. Is there a way maybe even before the gifting, is there a way we can put our name as co builders? Let's say I put my name and my son's name as okay, we're gonna build this building together and obviously I I may be using my resources more than his resources, yet at the end both of our names will be there and both of our resources will be there. So is there well, a way that we can go progress it that way? You, you mentioned uh, that, well, if I give them a building, that would be taxed. Remember what we said. If your estate is less than $12.9 million and yes. you give them a building that is worth $5 million, there is no, yes. there's no gift tax on that. It is not income to them when they receive it. So there's not any tax effect of that at this point. Right. If your estate value is low enough. So that's something to keep in mind. You could give, I've told clients, you can give any amount you want. If your estate is less than the 12 million, you can give everything you own to one person this year and not pay any gift tax. They won't pay any gift tax and they won't pay any income tax. So. Well, Rick, if if this was a $12 million building and he was concerned about the gift gift or estate tax, could he give just percentages of ownership each year uh, so that he wouldn't be exceeding the $17,000. Yes, and there are good tax lawyers who advise clients about doing that, gifting a percentage of value in interests over a period of time where each year it's less than the $17,000. So, yeah. Thanks, Thank Dan. You. And uh, I would I would hope if 
people who do have uh, estates of twelve million or more. Uh, fi- find a good find a good person on your team to help you out with that. Find All a right. good charity like MPB as well. Excellent, to yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not taxable, and you get a deduction for that. But um, so, Rick, when we talk about gifts, how can you make a gift? How can a person make a gift? Well, I can make an outright gift. I can write a check of money. I can give a deed. I can deed property to someone else outright. Then they now own it. I can put that property in joint ownership. I can put my children's name on the title with me. Now we all own it together, but at my death, it becomes theirs as the surviving joint owner. So that is a way to have a transfer of full ownership at my death without a probate, by the way. Payable on death and transfer on death is something I can do similar on my bank accounts or investment accounts. I can tell the bank or investment company, I want to put POD, payable on death, to my children on this account. Well, that's naming them as beneficiaries, like on life insurance or retirement plans. So when I pass away, they go to the bank and they show their identification, and the bank says, okay, you're the POD beneficiaries. Here's your money, and they give it to them. So it's a delayed gift. And then in trust, I can put assets into a trust, and I mentioned earlier children or grandchildren or someone who have issues that – make it not advisable to give them money outright right now. I can put assets in a trust for the benefit of my children, some of whom are off the rails doing things I don't approve of. Others are good and solid. I can name one of those children as the trustee and say, the trustee now who owns that money for the benefit of all my children can make distributions to that child or any child for certain types of things if they need it, but the trustee controls who gets the money. So that is a controlled way to make a gift to people without it being an outright gift. So those are various ways to, to transfer funds or property to someone else. Well, that's, that's good to know. And one thing that you mentioned is the word basis. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, how that works um, and why that's an important consideration about whether we give a gift to someone or wait till we die to give them the property. Well, the IRS says there are certain types of property, and some is called capital property, capital assets. That would include land and buildings. My house is a capital asset. Also, stocks and investment securities are considered capital assets. They can increase in value or decrease um, over time. So if I give that to someone, I need to know what my basis is. That is the value of that property at the time I'm giving it. What my basis is not, I'm sorry, my basis is what I paid for it. So if I paid $100 for a piece of property or a stock, that's my basis. Uh, if, if it's a piece of property and I spent another $50 on putting a building on it, then that adds to my basis. My basis in the property is 150 now. If I later sell it for 200 the difference in what I paid for it, my basis, and what I get for it later is my capital gain. When I sell it and actually get that money, it's realized capital gain, and that's taxable. Now, while it's still in my name and it's just increasing in value, that's not necessarily taxable because I haven't realized that gain, and it could go back down in value and be a loss later. So that's the difference in basis. I, I, if I have a basis of $100 in a, a stock and I die and it's worth 200 at my death, under current law, 
the beneficiary, my children who are going to get that stock at my death for some reason, they would get it with a new basis, not what I paid for it, $100, but they'll get it with a new basis of $200. And Rick, we're going to have to stop you at that. We've run out of time. We, We love having you on the show. We've got a whole playlist of Rick Courtney podcasts. If you go check it out where you find In Legal Terms podcasts. Thank you, Rick. We appreciate you being here today. Enjoy it. Hey, folks, don't forget, November 7th, 2023, polls are open for Election Day from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. If you're in line at 7 p.m., you can still vote. The Secretary of State's election hotline number is 1-800-829-6786. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. We'll be right back.